Satsang is a musician that does not fit in any box. Not only does he channel amazing spiritual wisdom and truth through his music, he's also a savage in the gym. And in this podcast, we talk about a little bit of both. The concept that I like to call the warrior poet. This podcast is brought to you by Onnit and the new launch of Shroom Tech Greens, onnit.com slash Aubrey, by Lucy, lucy.co slash amp, and by 8sleep, 8sleep.com slash amp. This was one of those podcasts that was a whole lot of fun. Not only did I get to listen to some amazing music, which is like having like a private concert here for myself and know that I'm sharing that with all of you. But we got to tell a bunch of stories, tell stories of experiences in the gym, experiences out in the street. Satsang is a man who's really living life to the fullest and embracing the polarity of being a true sentient savage. I can't wait to share this conversation with you guys. It's a lot of fun. You're going to love it. And the music is absolutely incredible. But before we get started, a quick word from our sponsors. So right now at Onnit, we have a new product, and that new product is Shroom Tech Greens. And this takes the combination of all of the nutritional mushrooms that probably a lot of you love, things that we're known for in our Shroom Tech Immune, our Shroom Tech Sport, and potentially even some other mushrooms that you're just taking on your own. But now wrapping that into a greens product, our flagship greens product, which has a really mild flavor. We didn't want to put a bunch of flavoring in there, so you can mix it in a smoothie. You can just have it on its own. You can put it basically in any beverage that you're looking for, whether it's juice, water, smoothie, whatever, and it tastes great. I like to mix mine, actually. I make a chocolate mint smoothie, and the Shroom Tech Greens mix super good in this chocolate mint smoothie. And it has not only all the benefits of the greens, but also all of the benefits of the mushrooms as well. So this is a great new product. It comes in convenient stick packets, which are great to travel with. I know I'm about to take a vacation to the beach, and sometimes when you go to the beach, you don't get the best access to veggies, but I got my Shroom Tech Greens. So I am GTG. You know what that is, Ryan Jows? That's good to go. That's right. Go to onnit.com slash Aubrey for 10% off Shroom Tech Greens and everything else. Onnit.com slash Aubrey. You've probably heard me talking about Lucy before because it's a simple solution that just makes a lot of sense. Nicotine in its raw state is something that's helpful for productivity. There's a ton of studies. I wrote about them in my book, Own the Day. Nicotine can be used in a way to be really productive for your life. Now, of course, there's challenges and we all must be mindful that we're the one driving the nicotine car and the nicotine car isn't driving us or running over our body with our own addictions and the own wheels that it has on it. But when we're in control, and have a vehicle like Lucy, which is a really clean delivery of four milligrams of nicotine per piece, we have a great solution. It was founded by Caltech scientists. They were former smokers. They were looking for a better, cleaner nicotine alternative. And the gum is great. It's got good flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, pomegranate. This is something that's a great addition if you're interested in utilizing nicotine for performance benefits for your mind. I highly recommend it. So check out lucy.co slash amp or use the code word amp for 20% off. Once again, lucy.co slash amp or the promo code amp for 20% off. And with any product containing nicotine, there's a warning. Warning, 
This product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lastly, we have Eight Sleep. Now, the advantage of Eight Sleep, as far as any other mattress, is it controls the temperature, and temperature is important to sleep. So basically, you want it cooler on the mattress side because that mimics what the ground was like. The ground would stay nice and cool, and then the blankets keep you warm. But if the mattress stays nice and cool and the blankets keep you warm, that's going to keep you in your optimal rest zone for as long as you want, no matter what time you're going to bed. So you can put the temperature of your mattress through the exclusive cooling technology, and you can keep that mattress at 68 degrees, and then you can get your nice, cozy, what do they call those things with the feathers? Down comforters, Ryan. That's what they call those things with the feathers. That's the way I like to roll. I actually don't even like sheets that much anymore. I mean, sometimes a sheet is good, but the down is nice because ultimately it allows like a lot of heat to escape, but a lot of heat to stay in. And you have that with the cooling on the mattress, you're in good shape. Also, the mattress can get hot if you're in like a freezing ass cold place, whatever you want. They got it covered. The mattress is super comfortable. It's basically mattress plus technology plus comfort plus being a baller having a mattress that is exactly the temperature that you want so check it out eight sleep users fall asleep up to 32 percent faster they have 40 percent fewer interruptions get more overall restful sleep in the polls that eight sleep has done it's awesome check out the pod pro by eight sleep go to eight sleep.com e-i-g-h-t-s-l-e-e-p.com slash amp and save 150 bucks at checkout using the promo code AMP. Once again, 8sleep.com slash AMP. And now an uninterrupted podcast with Satsang. My man. How's it going, bro? It's going really good. So I love to start these with uh, with a little music. Get yeah. started, set the vibe, set the tone. All right, so all right. let's do it. harder when you're not alone but feeling lonely you can prophesy but it ain't gonna save no sympathy is found around because you walk a different ground you found magic between your bassinet and grave covered in the thick of it it's in the back and front Everything conspiring to happen all at once It's alright now Everything is happening alright now And I'm alright right now Alright now Is a suit that doesn't fit Well, it's a trap to you A shackle and a chain And as you grind away your gears Your moments that turn into years Will make a bed Where you will feel no pain While everyone makes sideline calls It's you who stands and builds Oh, but I, your Lord, will answer to it 
door But as for now It's alright Now Everything is happening alright Now and I'm alright Right now Alright now Of it, it's in the back and front, and everything conspiring to happen all at once. While everyone makes sideline calls, it's you who stands and builds it all. But I alone will answer to it all, and as for now, it's alright now. Everything is happening alright Now conspiring, inspiring to be right Now and I'm Hell yeah. Wow, man. That's, uh, it's so interesting because, you know, when we were doing hape earlier, we did a little hape ritual. And uh, for those of you who don't know on the listening to the podcast, hape is a traditional Mesoamerican, South American tradition of uh, ground up and dried tobacco leaves mixed with some herbs and admixtures. And you actually blow them up your nose through a tool called a caripe, which is like a big loop. And you blow it in your nose you don't breathe in or snort or inhale so it doesn't get in your lungs but it stays in your in your sinus cavities and it really kind of brings the the tobacco like into your head and down into your body it's a very clearing ritual very powerful ritual that i've adopted but anyways i was saying some words which were very much words that you say to yourself in a little prayer Yeah. yeah yeah and then the the interesting thing is that song which you chose i just said hey man play whatever comes through that was like exactly the song that I needed to hear right now, you know? Look at like us all locked I up, know, man. right? Like that's the fucking, that's the beautiful thing when you like get in, get in resonance, you know? And, and, uh, cause things get chaotic and particularly with that song, it's like when things are chaotic and you're standing in the center of what feels like a storm, you know, and you're wondering, you know, is this, can I keep going? Can I, and then that message, like, everything's gonna be all right everything's all right right now like just as it is and i'm like yeah you're right bro yeah it's like the double entendre right it's all right now but it's all right now (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) it's like like even in the even in the thick of it like it's exactly as it's supposed to be yeah always and that reminder is so important you know like we we have these judgments about what should or shouldn't be but that's all just our nonsense (laughs) you know like the truth there's a deeper truth of yeah 
This is, yeah. it. This is it. Yeah, I think there's a nature. Um, my big thing recently is I'm trying to be a better person, better parent, better partner, better artist, that the universe will conspire with me, not against me. So that even when the hard shit is all happening and it's all chaotic and stuff like this, it becomes a lot easier to be like, but I'm not doing anything wrong. So this is probably part of some grander plan. Right. So it makes it easier to surrender rather than like, than fight it, you know? So I've been, with all of this time off, that's been like my hugest thing is like, there's not really any shit storms. They're just like teacher storms. Yeah. You know? Well said. Yeah. That's, um, <clears throat> if I was going to go back and give myself a superpower, like my superpower would be faith like faith that it's exactly as it should be and honestly i have only evidence to say that that's actually exactly as it has been but in the moment moment to moment from my teens all the way now to me being 40 if i could have just had more faith the whole way man the journey would have been sweeter yeah you know it's just my experience in the moment doing the same things maybe nothing would have changed it didn't need to change it was all just as it should be anyways but if i could have just believed that whoo that would have changed my life yeah man i think the nature of it though of the human experience is especially when you're driven right i'm a very driven person you're a very driven person is there's always the okay well this is good so this is in order now i can look at what's next yeah and then if that goes this way, then this will be next. And so you're always thinking of these pivots and what's next and what's next. And I spent a lot of time early in my career never present. You know, I got to go on tour with some of my favorite artists of all time. And I look back on it and I spent the whole damn time thinking about what was next rather than just right. being right. in the amazing experience <laughs> that it was, you know. No more, you know. like Yeah, I, I no more. No more. I won't do it anymore. Uh -huh. um, no matter how fast or slow this thing that i'm doing grows i'm fucking here for it now man yeah. and i needed the great pause that we just went through and i and i think what helped was me examining all the parts of me that weren't an artist right just mm -hmm. being a parent just being a partner just being a martial artist and getting to do all this shit that wasn't music for a while to just be like oh man i really am this multifaceted creature and I'm on a lot of journeys at one time and it's all happening right now and I just mm. need to be here in it and not there in it, you know? Yeah. Whatever's next is fucking coming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? totally. It's coming. You know, I had a, I recently read Jordan Peterson's new book. I had him on the podcast and one thing that we never got to explore because we were going all over talking about a bunch of stuff, but, you know, he writes a lot of his books talking about the difference between order and chaos. And for him, that's the that's the split. That's polarity. There's order and then there's chaos. And and the living right is trying to set order to the chaos. And I think that's correct. And I think it's good advice to like apply yourself as a force of order to the chaos and go explore it and know that the dragon of chaos itself, the mystery, the unknown, when you go face the dragon, <clears throat> that's when you get the gold of whatever the dragon is holding and whatever is there. But there's a like another perspective, a divine perspective, which says, actually, there is no chaos. Like the chaos is the necessary part of order. It's all orchestrated by a higher order that's beyond our purview. So even when everything looks like this is exact, not what should be happening, this is a fucking disaster and everything is crazy. Like there's a divine part of us that's looking down going like, actually, it's perfect. Just yeah. wait, you'll yep. see, you know? Well, I think anyone that you talk to, you know, we don't learn shit when it's good. 
you know, we're cozy and comfy and like, um, it's when the shit goes bad that we have to take notes and be like, okay, well, how can I avoid that? Because that kind of (laughs) sucks. So we go through these things that suck so we can come out of it with the like a little more, a little more knowledge to know how to insert order into the chaos. Right. I'm a big Jordan Peterson fan. I haven't read his new book yet, but yeah. 12 Rules was a, was a pretty pivotal book and for me. And this, this book is absolutely phenomenal too, you know, expanding on some certain things, delving into some other areas. And it's a great concept. And it's, I think, as I, you know, there's those main archetypes, king, warrior, magician, lover. And I think it's a good way to orient yourself towards like, okay, how am I living in the in the highest articulation of each of these archetypes? But then there's that the fifth archetype of the mystic. And the mystic is really the one who's just is able to see from that highest perspective. And I just really like the idea that from the mystic's eyes, everything is perfect. You know, yeah. like when you really see it from the highest purview, from God's perspective, it's like, oh yeah, it's all perfect. It's all and then that's the collapse of duality. That's the collapse of judgment and saying, like, but you we can't live in that. We're in a body and we're in polarity and we're in this world that does have actually in most all dimensions chaos and order but just to kind of remember remember like just a little thin line of remembering which is that faith through the mystic's eyes like it's all perfect actually this is now right now you got to deal with some shit and deal with it don't bypass it and pretend mm-hmm. that you're the mystic a big lesson from ayahuasca was it's great to be like jesus if you're jesus yeah yeah. if you're not don't (laughs) pretend that you are like don't be like i'm going to turn the other cheek i have no anger when i'm smited by the world or yeah yeah. you know like uh, this is all good you're full of shit bro yeah like that's not real it's fine great aspire to that maybe every once in a while you can touch it and when you're really there be there but don't just try to be like that because you think that's what you should be be it if you are it and do the work to try and get there but don't pretend yeah, I think where it gets tricky is like we're talking about the, like you were just saying is, you know, for me, one thing that I always struggled with is I was all in on one facet, you know, so I was all in on being an artist and my relationship with my family would suffer. And then I went all in on being a martial artist. So our relationships would suffer. And it wasn't until this break for me that I was like, oh shit, man, I can be all of these things and I can give my whole heart to all of them, but there's like the middle of the Venn diagram and I think that's the mystic, right? Mm -hmm. That says like, no man, it's all love, it's all of these things. Mm -hmm. So there is no like, it's not like a mixing board where you just turn the volume up on one thing. It's like, no, let's get a nice perfect mix and blend of all of these things. I think that comes with age too yeah absolutely it, it should it, it can also not like people can get stuck just moving the treble up 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 until yep. they can't hear the mid-range anymore and they can't hear the bass anymore and it's just all noise and they get it, it gets fixed it almost calcifies in those levels but if you maintain with that amateur learner student mentality which is the only way you ever become a master in the first place yep. then everything's flexible and you're always kind of moving the dials just to see like hey what's it like if i move this around a little bit how does it sound yeah having that experimenting concept well i think too it's um a lot of picking picking things that don't have an end goal right like fitness what's the end goal well that it'll (laughs) be this thing forever that i do to maintain my body um jujitsu it's like everyone says the same thing i got my black belt and then i started over 
you know, there's no end goal to it. It's like the end goal is to keep getting better. Um, and I think when people pursue, like you're saying, so I'm, so I'm going to climb the fucking ladder of this company. I'm going to be the CEO. I'm going to acquire the money. And I think society has shown us time and time again that fame, celebrity, money isn't it. If it was, these people wouldn't be as sad as they are sometimes that we yeah. see, you know, we see yeah. suicide and all these things. So I think it's, we have this great outline of, or I do anyway, looking at the world of like, I'm only interested in things with no end goal. There's no end goal to being an artist. It's to keep making art. There's no mm. end goal to martial arts, but to keep getting better. There's no end goal to fitness other than keeping my shit running right, you know? Um, as opposed to like, no, man, I want a Grammy. And then it's yeah, like, well, yeah, then yeah. you get the Grammy and you're like, well, fuck. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, is yeah. the game over now or yeah. what, you know? I was talking, I spent the day yesterday with Dr. Andrew Huberman, the you know top neuroscientist at Stanford. He's got his own lab and he's been on a lot of shows and uh, amazing guy. And, and really one of the things that, because he breaks it down to like what's actually happening in the brain and the reward systems. And so dopamine is, you know, it's the driving, motivating force. People talk about it as the pleasure chemical and it has some aspects of that, but it's really like the, the driving, motivating you know, chemical, that thing that we're chasing, the thing that actually propels us to chase and the thing that we chase after, right? So it's kind of like the, this irresistible lure, you know, what in, in, uh, in some ways that mercurial element that we're always looking for, and we can get it in a variety of different ways, but one of the most reliable ways is if we feel that we're doing a good job, like if we feel like we're doing a good job. Now, that's subjective it's up to us to decide whether we feel we're doing a good job so it's dangerous and he talks about this it's dangerous when we say we're doing a good job if i get a grammy yes right yeah and then you get the grammy and then it's like oh fuck like you have that moment of like where you get the dopamine you've been chasing but then you have to figure out another one and you have this kind of loss and you know my mom was an athlete she talked about like after winning a big tournament there's a letdown and a lot of other athletes after the championship there's this letdown like fuck i'm a champion <laughs> like what do i what do i do now a writer you know stephen pressfield talks about how he doesn't actually finish a book before starting the next one because he knows that if he gets to that point and that's his goal he's devoting himself to the process so this is a long way of saying that if we retrain ourselves to say i'm doing a good job by just doing not by like by being on the path rather than by getting this goal then we're going to continually be driving ourselves by the right reward system and neurochemically driving ourselves by the right reward system so you're doing a good job every time you step on the mat yep good job man you're here you can, today you're here yeah you're here today oh look you're practicing your guitar good job man oh you opened your that document of that course you're writing or that book good job man here you go yeah. and then you're rewarding yourself that way and that's what's actually going to fuel you. We think that we need this goal of this external thing, but really we just need to give ourselves that encouragement, that fuel that's going to drive us all the way. Yeah, I think that's what's so special at the time that we're living in um, is in the era of, uh, especially of podcasts, because it creates this long form conversation where it's not like these interview tidbits where I have an agenda to pull one thing from you. Okay, Cody Garbrandt, okay, you won the title. What's next, dude? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so there's these long form conversations where vulnerability happens. So it's it's kind of pulling the veil off of shit because you hear someone say, "Yeah, man, I got the title," and right away was like, "Well, fuck, man." <laughs> right. What now? I mean, right. okay, so I got it. So the illusion that we previously had of people like, "Oh man, look at him, he's fucking winning," he's just mm -hmm. like he's at the top of the game or whatever that may be. I I think the way 
that like vulnerability is becoming cool, yeah. which it, like it never has been. Like uh, rugged false stoicism has always kind of been the thing. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing this rise of people being like, nah, man, so here's what it's really like over here. And not only, okay, I think rugged false stoicism is, a, is an intermediary, slightly positive, you know, articulation of what happens. A lot of times it's a plastic perfectionism. Yeah. You know, that's what's actually we're, we're most used to. Like when you see the, the big celebrities and they're getting at, it's like this plastic perfectionism of like, oh yeah, they don't even go into, it was hard, but I, but this is what I live for and I move through it and everything's good. You know, that's like one step closer to at least acknowledging that some yeah. shit was hard and you're working through it, yep. you know? But then the final step is sometimes saying like, yeah, it was just fucking hard and it almost broke me. Mm -hmm. And uh, eventually I got back to that stoicism yeah. place, but allow people to sit in the fact that it's not instant for everybody. We're not all perfect Marcus Aurelius. And even Marcus Aurelius wasn't always Marcus Aurelius. I mean, he probably didn't write about it all that often, yep. but I guarantee there were some days where he was like, man everything's just fucked all these yeah. people are trying to kill me <laughs> yeah <laughs> and my totally. wife is sleeping with somebody conspiring against me because mm -hmm. she thinks i'm dead and like there's this is this is bad this yeah. is all bad well it's it's funny all the great stoics uh i've been diving deeper into the samurai hmm. and i always thought i had an understanding of that culture i did not man it was always very much a like okay this girl is my wife but is she gonna fucking kill me when i'm sleeping i know did you are you watching that show on netflix yeah dude fucking wild right Whoa. and um seeing like okay so 100 plus years of this civil war and then everything finally gets unified and calmed down and then he's like we got to give him a war let's go to korea <laughs> you know like everybody everybody's like our whole culture is built on this warrior thing but we're not kicking the shit out of each other we need right. to start a fight right um so it's interesting seeing because yeah right this like there's no way that these crazy stoic shogun general samurais weren't also having these moments of like i hope my brother doesn't fucking kill me man <laughs> yeah, you know totally, like totally. i hope my brother doesn't fucking kill me totally. i hope he's not with my wife right now like <laughs> trying to work some shit out yeah. so um i think like hey sweetie good to see you. is that poison yeah what's in that sake <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so it's this like i'm a you know i'm a i'm a pretty uh rigid guy and i'm, I'm very much working on, on trying to soften myself um because I've always taken great pride in that when shit's hitting the fan uh, to kind of be like, it's fine. I will handle it. Everybody calm down. I mm -hmm. got it. Um, but the people that are closest to me know that's not who I really am. You know, <laughs> I'm the one that's like, fuck that motherfucker, man. Get his ass on the phone. You know, I'm like losing my shit. So I'm like always trying to balance this uh, this thing between like Nipsey Hussle and Ram Dass, like you know, like yeah. <laughs> what hat am I wearing today? Um, and I'm trying to go more to to the to the Ram Dass side of just like, because if we believe that everything's all right, then overreaction shouldn't typically be there. Yeah. Um, if we're really settled into the belief that like, no man, this is a wave. This is here to teach me. It's gonna suck but let's go for it. There shouldn't be a lot of shouting and yelling, you know? No, and but also importantly, if we're attached to us being more like Ram Dass and that becomes part of our identity, if we start saying, I am more like Ram Dass, then the moment we feel like Nipsey Hussle, the moment we feel like fucking some angry shogun and we're just out for blood, you know, then we start judging that aspect and repressing that aspect and then yep. saying like, what is wrong with me? And then that, that just accelerates it. That's gasoline on that same fire. 
I had a mini version of that last night. I got my <laughs> ass handed to me in pool. Wait, I didn't even want to play. It was like 2 a.m. You know, we just had a nice dinner. We were going. I was about ready to go to bed. And my father-in-law is like, come on, let's go play some pool, you know? And he's a good pool player. And we've had this like, we're going to get after it. You know, we've known that. And I was like, I was like, no, no, I got to go to bed. He's like, come on, just a couple games. You know, I was like, okay, fine. And then I just got my ass whooped by my brother-in-law, my father-in-law. And I was like, okay, I'm going to bed, guys. And I just sat in bed and I was just like stewing. As I got my ass kicked for one, I'm also tired. And I should, I was like, what's wrong with your boundaries, bro? Like, why didn't you do this? And I'm just like, if I did, it was just a weird thing. Cause I was judging myself for how I was judging myself. So it was this cycle of like, judgment and then meta judgment you know the first judgment was losing which is a silly thing to do you know i lost like fine just take it on the chin and then normally sometimes i can but then my fatigue but then it was the judgment of my judging of myself that was actually really the thing you know that yeah, was like yeah. what like what is wrong with me why am i feeling this yeah. way this is stupid like come on man and then it was so it just goes on and on in this like endless cycle and then to unwind it you release the judgment of the judgment and then you can laugh at the initial judgment yep. which is like okay man you're just mad because you got your ass kicked. yeah it's totally like, it's okay yeah and like i was telling you man i do the same thing all the time like someone will get my goat on the mat i'm like how the fuck did that happen <laughs> and then i'm laying in bed and i'm like man if i would have done this i want to go should I, should I text him <laughs> should i text him and tell him like you didn't really get me i got me you know um and it's funny man my wife has this sixth sense like we can be cuddling She's facing that, like, she can't see my face. And she'll be like, where'd you just go? I'm like, nowhere. She's like, <laughs> she's like nah, dog, I felt that. <laughs> you know, I felt she leave. Um, That's yeah, such that, a gift, though, by the way. Oh, yeah. That's such a gift. Yeah, I've, when someone knows you're thinking about thinking, uh huh. you know? Yeah, that's that's really important. I remember, you know, in, in my past relationship history, like, there was one, you know, one partner in particular that didn't last long but because there was a lot of things that were out of alignment but she was a master at that you know she would know the moment like we'd be out and we'd be out at a having dinner and then having some drinks somewhere and she'd notice that moment where i had that first thought of like yeah i'm kind of over this i didn't say anything i thought my that thing was a completely internal process imperceptible to the world and she'd be like hey you feling over this and i'd be like yes how did you know you see me yeah i feel seen yeah let's go home that's the best feeling in the world man yeah i'm really blessed my wife is um a special creature man she's a a a psychotherapist that specializes in trauma Mm -hmm. and i'm a human being that specializes in experience trauma (laughs) so what a match yeah yeah so match made in, in heaven or something um but yeah, our connection like that is so deep and we're coming up on 11 years of being together. Um, and there's like you're saying, there's the there's a huge power in feeling seen and understood. And another thing from this great fucking pause was I, I've always had this deep desire to be understood by people that don't even know me, you know, especially as an artist. Like, well, someone will be like, oh man, I, you know, I'd like see a fucking thread on Facebook like this song is about this and this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And then... I've really realized that like I don't care anymore. If my wife knows who I am, hmm. my good friend and manager knows who I am, the people in my band know who I am, and the people I train with know who I am. That's good enough for me. Yeah. Man. That's a good that's a nice that's a nice chunk of that's humans to have understand you. Yeah. That's your ohana. That's your that's your chosen family. And when you're known in that way, I mean 
imagine the imagine the the horror of feeling lonely because nobody sees you mm. you know and that's the that's the really challenging part because in so many relationships there's this wall of resentment and mistruth you know they're just people are going through the motions and not expressing the things maybe they'll express a few things to their boys or she'll express a few things to her girls and but they're not really talking so the partner partnership doesn't have that level of intimacy you know and then in the friendships it's a lot of still some posturing you know like yeah you know everything's all right it's kind of shitty at work but you know whatever let's get a drink you know you never really actually let the guard down and then in the quiet dark moments there's just that deep sense of loneliness i couldn't imagine man i just couldn't it's imagine. the worst thing it's why it's the number one predictor of early mortality it's just not even having their studies about the difference of having that one single person at least one person at least one who can really see you and like really know you that changes everything just having that one and then you expand that it becomes exponentially a force multiplier yeah well it's weird because <clears throat> different circles you know kind of have different requirements I guess, uh, prerequisites to like be in that circle, right? So when you're talking about those shallow friend groups, I just can suss that shit out so quick where I like, I don't sound like a judgmental prick, but I can like hang out with someone and be like, yeah, man, we're probably not gonna be tired. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally, man. You know? Totally. And, and vice versa. <clears throat> I'm getting quicker at being like, yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I feel like people, I mean, and then on the adverse of that, I'm sure dudes like that probably see me and are like, that dude's fucking weird. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, that's totally. all right, bro. You know, I, got, <laughs> totally. I know a lot of other weirdos, so totally. I'm good, you know? Yeah, just, I think it's so important because um, I have that in my relationship, but I have like, like my bro Will that, that owns the Grindhouse, uh, the gym that I train at, to have someone who is r- routinely kicking the shit out of me also be a very close friend. And dude, we talk about everything. And he's just like, you know, dude, he's a fucking survivalist and uh, dad. And he's just like the most manly, manly Montana man ever. But he's also like super sweet and deep. And um, I just am so attracted to that in people. Like we're saying, mm-hmm. people that can be all of the things. And I just, as I'm getting older, I just don't have time for the, the fake shit. I want to be around people that are pushing me and pulling me and stretching my understanding of like, that will step in and be like, hey man, you're doing really good, but is that your best? Or is there more in you? Because I see more in you. And if I see more in you, that's because there's more in you. Um, Another thing that's been huge for me that was always so taboo for dudes to talk about is therapy. Holy shit, man. Like getting into therapy and just having someone that if you're like, fuck this, this is hard, I'm out, is like, okay. If you want to stay, I could help you though. You know, and just having this third party thing, especially when you come from like abuse and trauma and some of the shit that I've experienced, like I always in my head was like, well, I'm a successful artist, so I've made it past my story. That's it. I won. Mm. And then really purposely diving deep into like, yeah, dude, but why are these other parts of your personality still here? Mm. And having someone help me map that back to like, oh shit, that's not me. That's my dad. This shit's not even mine. I'm not carrying that shit anymore, you know, and having someone really help me map that, that again, isn't, isn't a close friend or that, that isn't emotionally attached to me. That's just like sitting here, like looking at a, you know, a brain graph with me pretty much being like, here's the map, bro. And the amount of aha moments that I've had where I'm like, oh shit. Okay. Take that out of the backpack. We don't need that anymore. But like actually working through something rather than just being like, no, I'm past that. 
um, has been so huge for me. Seems like the the magic combination has been shown in the clinical studies that are currently out. It's some kind of access to uh, a medicine that's going to give you a transcendental transcendent experience, right? Yeah. So psychedelics or entheogens like MDMA, psilocybin, mm-hmm. whatever your thing is, and those really compassionate, caring, intelligent people that can talk you through that. Now, in the studies and everything, which we, not a lot of people have access, they do it simultaneously. And that's what we're getting these results. Three sessions of MDMA, curing PTSD, you know, treatment curing. resistant. Curing. treatment resistant PTSD for two out of three people. And then curing depression and anxiety in a single mediated psilocybin assisted psychotherapy and ketamine assisted psychotherapy so that feels like the combination but in the absence of that having your transcendent experiences and having someone to talk to still going to be pretty good like you're still accessing both things and i think both of those are important because talking alone may not be enough because you may not be able to feel safe enough to get really into the deep parts to reprogram yeah. what you're experiencing but you might have the intelligence to do it but with the intelligence of how to look at things and then the ability to go deeper into that experience with the medicines that seems to be and i'm not recommending this to everybody it's not aubrey prescribing like how to heal to right. everybody it's a very personal choice but based on the research and based on my own personal experience and talking to people people who have both that's where you see the the fastest acceleration of growth well yeah i want to actually want to pick your brain on something while i'm here yeah yeah so for me i'm, I'm a sole be- believer of that because i've seen that plant medicine work and that, that's my wife's goal she's a psychotherapist and she wants to do psych- psychedelic assisted therapy so we're never not talking about it and i had an experience i struggled with alcohol and drug addiction forever you know from like 16 on and i did the rehab thing and the aa thing and nothing worked um and i took a super large dose of psilocybin by myself it was the worst night of my life but something happened at the tail end of it where i was like oh man i'm just fucking exchanging band-aids every day i'm not actually being like okay what can we put on this wound to like start the healing process Mm -hmm. i just never had the compulsion to drink since Mm. it might pop up in my head momentarily i'm like yeah i can't do that Mm. um but gave me something that no offered program has and after sharing that story the amount of people that are like dude me too that's how i did it too Mm -hmm. and i've become friends with a guy named dell that runs a program called unlimited sciences and they're the people that are gathering data with johns hopkins and presenting this to the government saying nice look at all of this fucking data yeah depression ptsd addiction all of that um but I have been offered to sit in ayahuasca ceremony many, many times, but there's always been like one little thing where I was like, that feels fucking off, man. This isn't it. Like I've paid a deposit before and been a week out and been like, nah, man, I'm not gonna do it. But I recently got invited to one and it's perfect. Like the, everything is perfect. And all, just since being in Texas, the synchronicities that have lined up of people that I've met that like, hey, I'll be there. And I'm actually friends with this person, this person, and this person. Like it's happened every single day since I've been in Texas. I've met someone that's like, hey man, I'm gonna be there. And I'm actually friends with your good friend who's friends with him. And I'm like, (laughs) so it feels really perfect, but I'm really scared isn't the right word. Scared like you would be if you were gonna fight somebody. Right. You know? Um, So what's your experience with that? Just that fear of like, for me, it's because 
my friend Peter put it really well to me when I told him I'm scared. He goes, well, yeah, dude, because, you know, it's not fun and games anymore. You're doing work. Like, mm-hmm. you know. Tra- trabajo, as my first shaman said, which is Spanish for work. Trabajo. Yeah. The ceremony starts the moment you say yes. So what you're in now is the ceremony. So that's a very, like, important thing to recognize is that a lot of people think, yeah, it's going to start as soon as I drink the medicine. Uh-uh. Not The psyche knows. And somehow whether it's because we're collected, you know, connected to the collective unconscious, whether the spirit of ayahuasca itself depends on your, you know, your, your worldview and your metaphysical understanding of how things end, or the spirit of ayahuasca is actually when you say yes, it's like, okay, you know, because it definitely feels like a sentient being. It's like, okay, here you are. Now we're going to start you on your path. So I think the first key thing to recognize is that you're in ceremony already. It's starting to work already. So whatever that, trepidation is whatever that anticipation is that's a sign that there's something there you know because that's what you feel there's something for you to confront and this is your psyche knowing that there's something that you're going to confront so one you can just surrender and just it'll be what it'll be and you'll make it you'll make it there and you can also get curious you know get curious like huh i wonder what it is that ayahuasca might show me that that's is scary it's scary i'm an overthinker man i think about thinking right, right 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 <laughs> you know? so you know it's it's um what are the unexplored nooks and crannies where is there still some more to process where is there some more to look at and sometimes you don't know sometimes it's like damn i didn't see that coming at all i thought i was totally good with my dad's stuff or i thought mm-hmm. like everything was in right alignment with this situation and uh but maybe it's not you know and so many many times i've been like really still you know like still (laughs) this and i'm like right in the throes of it and confronting it and i just feel those pangs in my stomach and i'm like oh man i've been through this a hundred times and there's still more there and ayahuasca or whatever medicine is like yep still more there and like okay here it is but it's starting to work and your psyche knows that it's that it's working so it's a good sign if you didn't feel anything like that you're either you know unconscious to what there is to do like what you have to do and you're just kind of blocking it out um or you're just brazenly overconfident like even you know i was talking to one of the shamans that i know very well hamilton souther and he was talking about he has you know he's a he's a maestro so he can do ayahuasca on his own Mm -hmm. and feel comfortable with that and he had some he's in peru and there's been lockdown so he hasn't been serving and he's like he has some in his fridge and he's like, man, you know, every day I go by that fridge and I take a look at it and I take a deep breath and go, Whew. you know, and he's done thousands, you know, but it's, there's, he knows through his experience, there's always more, there's always a deeper level. So what you're experiencing is absolutely what everybody should experience. And if you don't experience that, if you're about to do ayahuasca and you're like, yay, it's going to be fun, cool visions, you're like you're in for, you're in well, for a Well, that's what's so ride. interesting, right? Cause I used, uh, the Grateful Dead and, and Hunter S. Thompson is my moral compass for a good chunk of my life. So I found myself, uh, my experience with psychedelics was always fun in games. You know, it was, um, uh, yeah, there was no work being done. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it's like Mary Prankster's vibe mm-hmm. of like, how weird can we make this? You know, like how goofy can we get? Um, and I think the consciousness aspect of it was at that time in my life, I was like, this trauma isn't a thing. Everyone has weird childhoods. Off we go, you know. Mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to look at anything. 
But then that maturity sets in, then you have kids and you have a wife and all of this shit sets in where you're like, well, if I'm going to be the best version of myself, I really got to tend to the garden here. And you know, when you're doing that, that it's forced labor almost, you know what I mean? It's not like a quick prune and then back in for lemonade. It's like, it's fucking serious business. You may go into the garden and the roots may grab you by the ankles and wrap around your (laughs) neck and pull you into the dirt until you're choking on nothing but nematode worms. And then at that point it might say, okay, now back to the sunlight. You know, like you got to know, like you're in a magical garden and the plants can just take you and grab you and pull you into the earth, you know, catapult you into the stars. Like it's a wild place. But like we were saying, uh, you know, to the parallels between the two of like, you learn better from hard shit in your life than you do good shit. And for me, like I said, my last bad trip cured my alcoholism. It was the worst, I mean, I can't say the worst night of my life because the outcome was fabulous, but it was a fucking nightmare. And you and I talked about this when you were on my podcast and you're like, fuck man, I wish I would have been there to be like, hey man, in three hours, we'll be in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because it was like, I, I did it, I'm gone. I'm not going back and now right. I'm stuck in between this weird like dark spirit world and I'm just like in this thing now and I don't know what time is and I'm fucked and now what? You know, I had no one there to help. So there's mm-hmm. this comforting thing of knowing, you know, there's people on hand to be like, hey, that's man. the thing. That's the one thing that you most likely will not ever encounter in a properly run ayahuasca ceremony because the the shamans put out so much confidence and you know exactly what the brew is and there's other people there and there's a cadence to the ceremony it can happen in like a weird sometimes you can get like a reactivation after the after the ceremony where you think you're through but the ayahuasca moves through your digestive tract and if you haven't purged it can like reach a new you know fresh area of your intestines and then you could absorb more dmt and then you could have like a second ride and that happens to people that's where it gets scary because then you're like oh shit everybody's out of this but i'm back in it and now what's the problem so just be mindful that that's normal too yeah but during the whole ceremony arc you feel so held and guided by the maestro maestra whoever it is um that 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 shouldn't that shouldn't happen so but the risk of that particular thing happening which is this is wrong something too far and i'm not coming back that (laughs) can only happen afterwards so um but if that does again it's just a opportunity to surrender that too will pass that's just a understanding the physiology that that's just a fresh fresh patch of intestine yeah that the ayahuasca just reached and it was undigested and it just absorbed yeah so there you go on another ride that's never happened to me but I know that that can happen, but that particular fear should be mitigated. And that's the importance of having a guide. That's the importance of having somebody there with experience to be like, hey, hey, this is normal. Like, you're good. Because then you can focus on the actual work, Mm -hmm. not the meta work, not worried about the work that you're doing. You're actually into the work itself. Right. And that's like, that's really important. That said, you can still, even when you have that awareness, you can still it's still a treacherous territory like the dragon still has teeth and the dragon still has fire and sometimes people get scorched even experienced people get scorched and it takes them a while to recover from the dragon fire my brother kyle has just gone through an experience where he got scorched you know and he's one of the most experienced psychonauts i've ever known he got scorched and he's still on the pathway of of harvesting the lessons and the gems from that terrifying encounter with the dragon so it's also important to remember that that this is a this is an encounter with uh with that chaos element but there's also that wisdom of eventually 
it's never going to be chaos just like you looking back on that terrible night it's like oh that was perfect yeah but in the moment it's not no you know? and, and far and, from it yeah. and that moment can stretch for that one single night or it can stretch for a month or it can stretch for a while um but typically there's that wisdom especially if you do things with discretion and, and you're guided i love the fact that you said no to ayahuasca a bunch of times like, i did that's super important. four or five yeah that's super important that's like a great sign that you're actually listening yeah well so what's hard for me man you know i live in southwest rural montana and you know I hang out with a lot of dudes cool dudes yeah but montana cats are just built a little different yeah so when someone has like a fake name and like you know there there's just a vibe there <laughs> where shit's a little weird that i'm like I don't know, man, because I would hate to be in the middle of it and be like, can y'all get the fuck away from me, man? <laughs> like, your name is not Nissan Jaguar. <laughs> like, you're, you know, everybody here is full of shit. Just leave yeah. me alone. Um, so the thing that's so special about this is the people that are there, I really relate to. Lots mm -hmm. of jujitsu guys, lots of seekers, but like manly seekers. And I, yeah. need, I really need that, um, that energy around sure. me when i'm doing that kind of work because i'm like all right cool so we're all dads we're all yeah we're all built here you yeah. know what i mean we're all built similar so i feel good about doing this work surrounded by people that i can relate to rather than like it's a bunch of strangers i don't fucking know anyone here that container is really important for me you know um so yeah it's weird you know i find that just like going out into the real world sometimes is like um trying not to judge everybody based on the on my circle and i'm trying to stop saying like well that guy's weird or that thing's weird and just say things are different like oh well that's a different yeah. it's a different strut <laughs> you yeah, know yeah, that's yeah. a bit different than, <laughs> yeah. than me i think it's super important and it's super important that you're talking about already you're you're breaking that, those paradigms like the the music that you're able to transmit you know because it's incredibly conscious beautiful music but you're you're a fucking rugged dude you sure, know yeah. and like that's and it's it's real and it's authentically coming across so people who can both know you and then listen to your music they're gonna be like wow i'm really listening now because i connect with this guy and the same thing with you know somebody who's taking medicine like they really connect with it like if somebody like uh let's say donald cerrone yep if he was going to do ayahuasca like that would be you would be the right person to come up to him and be like hey donald like i did this thing man and like you should come with me next time yeah and if like if if nissan jaguar said that to him he's like fuck <laughs> Get off the fuck like, out yeah. of here, bro. and just go and sip his budweiser and you know yeah but like if you said that he would look at you and be like man i see a lot of myself in this dude right. uh all right man like what are we talking about here and then he then they would think about it and like i'm able to serve that in a certain way to some people because obviously i have a lot of multifaceted expressions and i think that's very. important as a bridge but you're you know a different variation of a, of this archetype of of a man and so your ability to bridge out to other people that's a gift because we need to see it in all in all facets because some people they don't want to listen to me or you they want to listen to nissan jaguar yeah <laughs> yeah know? some like, people might know, need like, that fella oh nissan jaguar thank you so much you <laughs> yeah. know like i need to go with you and right. nissan's like hell yes come with me sister. yeah you know, and i'm like, like what's yeah. your real name bro before we even get started i'm gonna need to call you can we go with richard you know yeah but, you know yeah. but and, and what's so funny um you know, the reason this time off has been so crucial for me is what's really weird about being an artist, and we just kind of started doing well, you know, selling out smaller venues. 
Um, which to me, shit, that was always the dream. Like, what? We sold fucking 300 tickets tonight. I'm cool, you know. And and our but our what we've seen is that our fan base is very into it. You know, they know every word. They're like they're in, and that and that's really special. But when you're touring all of the time, you're always being. I'll just speak in the first person because I'm talking about myself. Um, I'm always being related to by songs and by my art. So that's mm-hmm. how people are relating to me. A lot of shit that I wrote five, six years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago. Yeah. So yeah, I was yeah. this lost kid that was writing this music to encourage myself to move on to the next phase. And I'm always being related to by this art, which was starting to get tricky for me because I was like, yeah, dude, but you know, I also fucking fight all the time. And I also... <laughs> right you know, work on a ranch for fun. And I also, like, I do all of this other shit. And um, so that time off was really good for me to have a break from that where I was only surrounded by people that don't relate to me in that way at all. Like, when I'm home, the most I'll get out of my boys, how's tour? It was cool, man. Where'd you train? That's it, (laughs) you know? So being surrounded by people that are relating to me not on my art at all has just given me this great recharge. And then coming out to play shows again, I'm more just fucking invigorated than ever. I'm more vulnerable than ever. I'm so excited to just, especially with this new record, how it's a pedal steel and fiddle and just sounds like fucking Montana. And I'm just so excited and ready to be like, hey, this is who I am now. I'll keep playing these other songs because I love them because you love them. But like, here's who I'm at. Mm-hmm. Here, here's where I'm at now. Here's who I am. And I just I just have to, if I'm going to keep doing it, I have to just be real from here on out. Yeah. I can't, I'm, I can't pander. I can't meet people where I think they need to be met. I just have to be like, boom, spear in the ground. This is where I'm at right fucking now. I don't know where we're going next, but I hope you come. Yeah. You know? That's it, man. Yeah, it's, it's, I never really thought about it that way, but, you know, thinking about like another friend i am whose friend i have as a musician is uh mike posner mm-hmm. and he had that huge huge hit song i took a pill in ibiza yeah like that was a ch- chapter in his life that was a long ass time ago but if people are like play i took a pill in ibiza you know I, he i'm sure he still does sometimes because it's a song but like he's not that guy anymore and it's got to be like interesting because we're always evolving in yeah. such in such you know just dramatic ways that we're a vastly different person than especially we were. at the age that we are like i feel sure. like that fucking 30 to 40 that's the like 20 to 30 is like okay i'm dabbling in manhood but i'm still kind of a kid mm. and i feel like that 30 to 40 is like hyperdrive of like all right i'm fucking setting up my systems for for go you know and figuring out how to continue to grow and all that and what makes the old shit special to me is like i did this thing with justin wren yesterday he had reached out to me on Instagram and shared this just phenomenal story with me about how my song I Am touched him and the work that it's done in his life mm-hmm. and the work that it's done in people that he's passed it to. Something special happens to that song. It's not mine anymore. Yep. It's like the the analogy I gave yesterday, it's like this painting that I get to show everyone and they get to take a picture of it and take it home, but I keep the painting. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> there's this magic with music is once it's out, it's just living this life of its own and people are interpreting however they're interpreting, using it however they're using it. And that makes me love these old songs and love to play them. I'm not like, well, I'm not that kid anymore, so fuck these songs. They're evolving with me. Mm-hmm. And I was getting to a place where I was like, fuck, man, I'd really have to, like to not have to play I Am every show. And now I get just as excited to play it yeah, as yeah, the people yeah, that yeah. are to hear it because I'm like, 
I know that everyone has that's at that show probably has a story related to this song. That song is probably how they found me in the first place. So I'm like moving to this place of like, fuck, I'm honored. I'm touched that these songs are like living their own lives. Some shit I wrote in a notebook when I was 23 is now like. Because that's perfect for somebody else in their own journey. And that's that seems like therein now we've taken the whole hero's journey of the mastery of the artist. The same prayer that we had before this podcast. May we empty ourselves and be a vessel to deliver words and songs and messages to whoever needs it in the best way possible and if people there are going to resonate with that and that's going to impact their life in the best way and bring them fill them up fill their cups up in the most way then you surrender to that and then there's the joy in the surrendering to that and just like if someone needs to hear about taking that pill that they shouldn't have taken you know mike can sing that same song and (laughs) they're like oh man i felt the same way (laughs) like i dropped that acid that time and and fuck i really didn't want to it really (laughs) fucked me up yeah and they just feel like okay like it's so the medicine serves continues to serve and that's the beauty of uh that's the beauty of being an artist yeah, well, it's weird, and I know you have to experience this all of the time, right? Is that when you're kind of publicly out there, especially with your podcast, you're so open, and you're never having shallow conversations. So what happens is people start to feel like they know you, you know. So I'm sure that's a really weird thing, because I know it is for me, where people come up and they're like, "Okay, well, I've had these songs with me daily for years now, so I pretty much know who you are." I'm like, nah, <laughs> you don't. But and for you, it's got to be even different because you're just always saying what you mean. Yeah, you know. For me, it, they actually, it actually feels like they really do know me. Yeah, boy, it's just, I would it's imagine. One sided, yeah. you know. I meet a new member of the Fit for Service Fellowship. We go and have our gatherings, and they come up, and I'm talking to them. And they're like, "Wow, it's wild to hear your voice. I've listened to a hundred of your podcasts. I feel like." I really know you. And I'm like, you do really know me. <laughs> actually, <laughs> you've listened like, to me talk for hours. And, and, hours, and what's yeah. interesting is like somebody who does that actually knows me better than some of my casual friends who don't listen to my podcast, right? Because yeah. unless we're dropping into this is a very special thing. These are very deep, intimate conversations that last a while. It requires patience. There's not a big group. But if it's a friend that doesn't listen to my show and I see them out for dinners, it's like a friend of a friend type of situation, more acquaintance, and we don't have big drop-ins like personally they don't know me as well as a casual fan actually knows me like they'll come up and like i know you like i know what you went through during this period i know that whereas somebody else may not know me at all even family members who don't listen to my show yeah you know like they've known me since i was you know little but they don't know me like someone who's and that's i think the beauty of living you know radically vulnerably is that it is out there for anybody who wants to to know me and then it's now whether i'm going to get to know them well we have to create another situation either a show where we're doing this This is a great way i make a lot of great friends on this because it's a mutual conversation like that or some other situation where we get to dive into the deeper waters and talk about that stuff which is where i love to swim anyways like same swimming in those shallow waters is like come on like what are we doing it's gonna be fun for a while but i i crave the depth yeah, I like yeah, that's what I was saying earlier, man. I I have to be able to go there with you. You know, cuz me too. I'm like I just don't, you know, like uh gatherings like barbecues and shit like that are real tough for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I spend a lot of time with the dog. At <laughs> yeah, the house, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm just like cool, we're all dropping with you <laughs> with you. Um and it's and it's 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 that perception thing, but it's weird to me that other people aren't like 
can we just talk about what we're all doing here? Like, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, what we're really doing uh-huh. here? And yeah, it's just weird to me that people don't want to dive headfirst into that it's water. Also the dr- it's also the social drug, which is alcohol. Like alcohol can, in certain circumstances, drive depth. It's special when it actually does that. Usually it creates you know, frivolousness in yeah. a certain way and, and kind of distraction and play. It can be play, but um, every time you gather, the bottles of wine open up and obviously you don't partake, so that makes no, it even yeah. And I, I partake less and less. Sometimes if it's one of those situations where it's like, man, this is either going to suck or I'm going to drink, yep. I'll be like, hangover shitty time right now i don't know cost shitty time now, cost shitty time benefit. Later. Yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> cost benefit analysis ah fuck it you know where's the yep. sake you know where's a i'll make a manhattan or you know some tequila yeah. or whatever and um so it's it's interesting it's like i i don't particularly like that drug usually alcohol yeah but occasionally it's just if you want to be in in accord with people like you really need to you really need to get there or you're going to be uncomfortable but that's a terrible reason to drink right yeah you know but it's still like it's a very interesting predicament that we find ourselves in because all of our social organ you know the typical normal social organization 100%. is around drinking yeah and, and being an artist that's like the, that's the peace offering right oh you've been driving all day welcome to our venue <laughs> yeah, here's some yeah. alcohol <laughs> to make your stay better um which is great for the boys they like it um but for me too, it's always funny too, the kind of like cultural conditioning, you know, I've been at like those barbecue situations or whatever and be like, all right, who's someone who'll smoke some weed with me? Yeah. And then like a mom will walk around the corner and see a smoke. She's like, there's kids around here. I'm like, yeah, by all means, what? And watch their dad get fall down drunk, but God forbid they come around the corner and smell something funny. Like what yeah. the fuck, man? Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's cool to see the tides, you know, turning in that regard, but yeah, it's such a weird thing, especially with kids. I'm always trying to figure out, like, where's the level of how open do I want to be with that and how much context can I give? Um, you know, if my kids don't drink and, um, you know, decide to be little psychonauts that have proficient, effective lives, then mm-hmm. I'm, all, I'm all on that team. But it's The modulation of consciousness is, like, uh, it's a very attractive thing. It's not necessary, and I'm not. This is not me recommending, but but having little things that can shift your state to try and get you in accord. This actually, I have one right here. So I started, and I have no affiliation with this company or anything, and I'm not promoting it for anybody else but me. But it's this little tonic blend of kava and kratom. And I don't know if you're familiar with kava. Yeah, both. Yeah, and they blend it up in this kind of combination. It's called Feel Free, and. I've started doing that instead of drinking. So we had like a drinking, you know, event last night, um, which was, it was cool. You know, it was like a nice, it was nice, but it would have been more uncomfortable if I didn't have some consciousness modulating thing. Yep. Also, I was, you know, a little tired, been podcasting, working out, doing all this stuff all week. But yeah, so I just swigged, you know, trusted my intuition, swigged like most of the little tonic bottle. It's like a two ounce bottle of this thing. And I was great. I didn't have a desire to have a drink. Kava's magic in that regard, man. It really is. And so like that to me, this is a great tool because now I have another option because toughing it out and just like I can get my mind in whatever state is necessary that I'm not always able or desiring to do that. So having some tool that's going to not leave me hungover, I wanted to make sure I was sharp so I didn't want to have a drink. I didn't have a sip of alcohol and I had a great time. 
with everybody last night until I got my ass kicked in pool, but <laughs> it didn't help with that. <laughs> it didn't help yeah, with that at yeah. all. But uh, but but ultimately, like it was, a, it was a. I'll look back at that night and be like, it was a fantastic night, even though everybody was getting drunk, and I had a little bit of jealousy of the deliciousness of the drinks they were having. But nonetheless, that choice was the right choice for me, and it allowed me to kind of get in accord with them. So having these tools. I think is really helpful to figure out like okay these are my boundaries of i'm not into this i'm not into this but for you maybe it's weed what that doesn't work for me that kind of puts me on its own journey you know yeah and i haven't been smoking it was funny man i i've like i've reached the epitome of stonerdom i just realized like last week my wife was like when was the last time you smoked i was like i don't know (laughs) and then i realized that i haven't smoked in like three months i've just been like cruising that's great yeah man and it feels really good for the first time in a long time i just am like zoned in and i have a a deep love and respect for cannabis and uh, i think it's a really helpful tool but what i'm starting to realize especially after taking this break from it when i use it now i almost feel a little uh like you said i'm like okay no this has to be a thing where i'm like curating an experience Mm because i previously i'd be like yeah man i'm about to fucking hit my hash pin four times and go lift weights you know and now i'm like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eh. so i think kava is, is something that i would love to see explode a little more a couple fighters shane victor and kobe jeffers uh that were pro mma fighters out of the grindhouse um they both just opened a kava bar in billings montana nice and it's so cool man because i remember being in hawaii and kava bars are everywhere mm-hmm. and it's you know, when you drink kava, there is this almost like alcohol effect. There's this kind of loose, lovey. Yeah, yeah. Inhibitions are gone a little bit, but the um, decision making is still there. You know, yeah. and the aggression doesn't ever come in. Yeah. So you make a kava bar, and you bring a bunch of people together. There's a bar. Everyone can drink this beverage that makes them feel really at home and loose and good and comfy. No one's getting a hangover. No one's getting in fights. No one's getting DUIs. It's yeah. just crazy to me that it hasn't um taken off everywhere like that that's just not a huge thing i agree yeah that's i think where the the world is going is like these more tonic and elixir type of situations with herbs like kratom and with herbs like kava and with these different things that are giving people options because we're always going to desire to get fucked up in some way you know, well, like, like you said how no did you say what? modulate consciousness yeah, modulating yeah consciousness. absolutely yeah well i think too that there's um i know for a lot of people when they're first getting sober from alcohol people that have drinking problems there's this well who am i without a drink in my hand like i've always had a drink in my hand and where the fuck am i going to go to socialize you know there's this fear of like you know, it's scary being like, okay, can I go to a bar with a bunch of friends and not drink? A lot of people can't handle the temptation. Or if you're like me, you look around at people getting drunk and you're like, man, fuck this. Like, this isn't fun. You know, if it's like close friends and shit yeah. like that, fine. But like out in public, I'm just real. And part of it's PTSD, but I'm real hyper aware of situations. I can like feel aggression rising over here. I can tell this dude's maybe thinking about fighting. I just, I'm too sensitive. Um, but the kava thing is so cool for people in that position that want to socialize, that want to sit at a bar. It's like, yeah. hey, man, here's a place for you to go. And you're probably going to meet cool people because you're not going to, you know, meet many assholes at a kava bar. Yeah, the, the seems whole unlikely. dynamic is weird. Like there was a there was a drunk pickup artist that came to our dinner table and he I was watching him and I know that, you know, I can track that. I'm obviously sober, super tapped in and like looking around at the situation and he caught 
he looked at one of uh, my wife's friends, who's beautiful. She was at the table, named Soraya, and she was at the table and caught caught her eye, saw that she wasn't with anybody. And then I watched him circle back and like, like none of shark. us were like a shark and none of us were interested. <laughs> he found the the drunkest guy at the table, you know, and then knew that that was his way in, right? Classic like pickup artist style. So found the drunkest guy at the what table. Roll to play. Yeah, goes in and starts just working his working his game, you know, like slightly getting in, throwing out some negs, trying to be self-deprecating, funny, trying to move, eventually winding his way back to Soraya to get her, you know, to get her IG. And I'm just looking at it, just like ignoring him, like, come on, bro, like leave. And would everybody please stop talking to him? This will go away. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. This horror will end <laughs> yeah. if we just all stop, you know? And eventually he's like, ask for her number. She's like, no, but you can follow me on Instagram. And he's like, all right, I'll make sure to look at all your pictures and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's he's not on, creepy at all, yeah, babe. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like, fucking guy, come on, you know? Yeah, what's, what's funny, man, is that people in that state, don't know they're being observed mm -hmm. you're looking at him through a crystal clear lens of understanding uh you know the psyche and and it's so funny where you know in his mind he was like i'm a fucking johnny depp character in the movie <laughs> yeah, right exactly. now he doesn't know you're sitting at the table like motherfucker you circled three <laughs> times and now you're sitting yeah, you know yeah, and like exactly. just fully breaking apart his game and his head he's just like crushing it and to yeah. me that's what's so unattractive about alcohol i don't really like to be around it is because you see people that are like living out this fucking scene in their head and it's like if only you could see it from behind the camera bro you look like shit right now you know oh, yeah. it doesn't it's not going as smoothly as you think it is oh, yeah oh man yeah what a what a funny thing to observe uh-huh one of the one of the things that i i think you mentioned it referenced it a bunch of times but it's so important i think for people to have a place to get out the physical elements of combat contact aggression in a certain way and i don't think it's just for men i think it's actually all people need it yep. and i think men typically lean towards outlets where they have it you know but it's not that men need it more i think it's actually everybody needs it because otherwise all of these like to feel human there's nothing that puts you in your body like that and yeah. it doesn't have to be jujitsu but jujitsu is a beautiful way because the act of actually tapping the act of surrender mm -hmm. and knowing your own limitations that's important but i get it on the basketball court. i've you know yeah. i've rolled as well but i get it on the basketball court playing really good people where they like they shake me and then go score on me and talk a little shit and i'm like okay now try that again motherfucker yeah, yeah, let's go yeah. like ball up like it's my turn now you know and you go back and forth and you're hitting each other and you're exhausted at the end and then we jump in a cold plunge together and laugh about all the shit we talked even if we got heated yeah you know that's like so important to my psyche and i think it's important to everybody's psyche and women out there listening too like this is the way that i watch our cats play we just got two new yeah. savannah cats i watch them play they'll just look at each other for a little while and then they'll just run at Let's each other it. and just tussle yep. and one will go into cat jujitsu with all paws up and be like waiting and yep. they'll just roll around roll around roll around, and then they're back like licking each other and just playing around like the the human the human craves that both sexes craves the wrestling the playing look at any animal they're always there's always that tussle. The tug of war with dogs yeah exactly yep. like we we need controlled that. battle controlled battle that and controlled battle that is play yep like the play battle like that's the that's the thing that all humans really crave and i i just encourage everybody out there to find that in whatever form possible even if 
it doesn't really matter what it is, but particularly if it involves some kind of contact, some way that you're like kind of pushing up against somebody yep. and it can like really feel them and play in that way, whatever rule set you want to apply, great. But but I just I just can't overstate how important that is to the psyche. Yeah, for me, this sentence is going to sound real fucking weird, but I found a lot of value in getting punched in the face. And um, it happens and you realize it's not that bad. And that play aspect, when I think of sparring, that's what I think of. We are friends. You and me are friends. And, you know, when we're sparring, we're going 50% probably at the beginning. And then by like round four or five, we hit maybe hit 75, 80. Mm-hmm. We're trying to hurt the other person. But we have our tricks, just like basketball. I'm going to try my tricks on you. You're going to yeah. try your tricks on me. <laughs> and um, and we get each other, you know. And there's it's so crazy, not just the, the, the benefits for your psyche of doing hard things, getting exercise and stuff like that, that the bonding that happens between two people when you go, I'm going to give you my best today in this combat setting and my goal is that it's going to make you better mm-hmm. and you're doing the same for me so we're we're going to collide today but we're colliding with the goal here is that we're both going to get better and we're assisting each other in getting better dude i just have so many friends from different walks of life people that i never thought i'd be friends with dude if you went back and told fucking 19 year old drew he'd be friends with cops <laughs> no way dude you know and i have there's there's cops that i train with that i love you know yeah, and it, sure. which has given me and then it opens this door of like okay well shit let me get a cop's perspective on all this crazy shit involving cops yeah, yeah you know let me get a contractor's uh perspective on like the housing boom in montana you know so you um it humanizes everybody rather it humanizes than the label everybody they're yeah just a person yeah they're, they're, we're back to and what is humanizing back to the human animal Yep. Like, let's get back to the human animal. We're all savages on the inside. Whatever you pretend, whatever your persona is that you think you're all good and you're all spiritual, whatever. No, you're a fucking savage that's put on a costume. Like, yeah, like, dude. like recognize Thank you for that. saying that, man. I believe that so much. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think it's so important to tap into that. And like, for me, when I really felt just like thrusted into personal growth was when I just gave into that of like, no, man. I am this. <laughs> this is like D. I'm fucking Irish, man. This shit is deep in my DNA, and I'm not going to ignore it anymore. Uh-huh. I'm going to healthily feed it. Um, yeah, I think that's so real, and I think people just are. Our culture has just contextualized violence in a really weird way, and I'm I'm really grateful for the leaps and bounds that MMA has made because mm-hmm. it used to be right this cage fighting, this is human cockfighting. We're putting two people in it, and now the the sport's grown so much that it's like, no, man, these are high-performing athletes that are playing their game at the highest level. Yeah. And they're developing a game plan against somebody else's game plan. Um, and I just love seeing the way it is and that these guys are starting to get the respect that they deserve as the most optimized performing athletes on the planet. Yeah. Because, like, there's nothing like there's nothing more pure than that. No disrespect to basketball, baseball, or anything, but like there's no fucking ball well, here, man. The, we've, we've stripped the rules down to the barest possible, you know, but still somewhat civil way yeah, that it yeah. could be. Like where there's not. I'm eyeballs not going to bite out. you, poke <laughs> your <laughs> eyes, hit your dick, yeah. and, but we're both going to try to kill each other. This man's here to make sure no one dies. You <laughs> yeah. know, like that's about as good as it gets. You know, yeah. it's it's real it's pure. pure. And the thing that I love so much about combat sports. There's just no bullshit. There, there is no, there's, 
it's so authentic. Like the mat doesn't fucking lie. You can think you're the shit. I can think that my leg game, my leg lock game is like through the fucking roof because I ran through these four guys and then I roll with someone else where I'm like, fuck, I don't know shit. <laughs> it's this repetitive uh, mixed with this crumbling, humbling, and, and, and then you ride the wave of in between and I'm just a student. There's no end goal here, bro. You're good. Mm. But it's just so honest and pure. And like to me, that is the magic of the fight. Is it's like no man like we see it in the ufc all the time you guys can talk all that shit but we're gonna find out yeah we're gonna find out <laughs> yeah you know um and there's no i mean and very rarely are you like oh man that was that knockout was bullshit or like well i don't know dude you got you got in there with the dude yeah, and he beat yeah. you in <laughs> yeah. a fight and like that's yeah. the end of it so it's just really pure um and like you were saying with jujitsu that tap it's so cool to be able to engage a hundred percent in this way of like, yeah, well, if you're about to break my shit, I'll tap. Or if I'm about to fall asleep, I'll tap. Mm -hmm. And then we go right back at it. We'll mm -hmm. go again. Yeah. And the slap, fist bump, repeat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you just see, man, we've seen people come in just since I've been there, man. We started this, Will started a second gym in Red Lodge. I started helping teach. This dude comes in, Ryan has a beer gut, still smoking cigarettes, but he had quit drinking. And within three months, he's got a fucking eight pack. He comes to every class. He comes to kid class just so he can drill. And we just see it. I see it. I watch people's lives change or people come in that are so awkwardly social. They don't make eye contact. And then a couple of years go by and they're like, dude, I got promoted at my job. I felt like I deserved the job. I went in and told my boss, hey, I've been doing this, this, and this. I think I deserve this promotion. And he gave it to me. And it's like, yeah, dude, you wouldn't have got that playing cricket. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. There's like a self-confidence that that we see build and magic happens, you know? Yeah. We just get to see this magic happen. So it's like, you know, I'm always in some sort of physical state of disarray. I have a torn PFL right now <laughs> and I have two damaged discs in my neck. But I just look at it as I'm, what I'm getting from it is worth paying in. So I pay with a little bit of my body, but my spirit is just constantly being injected with goodness. Yeah. One thing that I think is is missing from like its proper place in the pantheon of these things is combat sports using weapons like like so i got into kendo oh shit. Know, a few years ago and it's kind of like a modified version of kendo i didn't want to go into the necessarily super traditional aspects some traditional aspects i have like a little bowing ceremony at the beginning and a little centering but we wear lacrosse gear because first of all the kendos i didn't find sizes that fit me and my giant friends like kyle yeah. and people you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. so like i just is like lacrosse helmet lacrosse gloves you know lacrosse elbow pads and a cup and like it's bamboo shinai it's these bamboo swords but you go and we go to 10 points you know sometimes it's a tie because you both whack each other but it's fucking intense. It no, feels shit. like battle. And when you get that bamboo rattling off the top of your helmet, it doesn't hurt. You're not getting any brain concussion, but it's loud and you feel embarrassed and you feel like, wow, I just died. Yeah, that's this what I was gonna say. There's a thing in the back of your helmet that's like me. I would have died. <laughs> you know, and like and you get you get some of those shots of the body or other places, and it's like, ooh, I that stung. Like this has a consequence. And but it brings up that that element of like this is a dance this is a fight this is this way that we're trying to trick each other and then you have like i have my special trick moves you know yeah like one where i you know a lot of the ones are like fast taps to the top of the head so i'll hit somebody with that hit somebody with that 
and then i'll come really aggressive like and yell and like i'm going for that and then dive under and try and slash the belly and if i can get that move it's like my it's like a my, question mark my finishing yeah, yeah. exactly it's a question yeah. mark kick so i'll have these moves and i'm always thinking how do i set this up how do i land this thing and it's been super fun i don't do it as often as i would like but every time i do it's great and i've talked to other people who've done there's like broadsword there's broadsword fighting and i'm not talking I saw about something where there's like dudes in like medieval gear yeah that one like, seems fucking violent and deadly very violent. From, from, yeah. from like russia yeah. where they're actually like it's like mma night combat yeah i'm not even talking about that but i'm talking about like the the sported the sporting element of you can do it with all kinds of things you can do like a spear versus broadsword and they have these like ways that are really nice like foam gear dude so you are you talking like early days of the ufc but like weapon like have a nunchuck guy versus a kendo guy totally Fuck but like yeah soft, but like soft weapons <laughs> yeah, and then like in ways that you score but you're going yeah so i you feel can, like you know the right people to get this off the ground man dude. it's just like doing that is super like super engaging and totally. for someone who doesn't because jujitsu is phenomenal that you can go full out but like I have some stuff in my upper back that always gets aggravated. Yep. It's sometimes worth it to roll, but like I know like all right, this is going to be and I haven't been able to quite solve that. Maybe some, you know, PRP or something will, will yep. ultimately sort it out. But it is great cuz you can go full out. And you're not really going to get hurt. You're just going to aggravate like the injuries you talked about. Sparring I had to let go just cuz of the concussive trauma. I was like I've, I've done that too many times, too many concussions. Paul Buentello actually I sparred against that dude, the old headhunter, mm -hmm. and he knocked me into a place where I didn't understand where my car was parked and I was like, what am I doing? Yeah, like, that's I'm, scary. I'm fucking I, no, I this is not my job. Like I'm not yep. but I love it. I love that game, so I'll do like shoulder sparring yep. or I'll do some like other ways that will kind of get into it but this but with these like with these weapons in the right way i just feel like there's a whole flourishing market that exists but people don't know about it and i think a lot of people especially like if you've grown up playing video games and stuff but you want to get active and you want to do that like pick up your pick up your broadsword actually my publisher her son is like deep into it and is constantly training and sparring and i showed him some mace training techniques to help his game and he's like <laughs> yeah, and he's going again and it's like it's a rad underworld of combat that that like is actually going to not hurt the body in any way but still give you that feeling of like i just went to war with this dude yeah or this girl yeah and like you said i mean that's it's so funny like you're talking about getting hit in the helmet with the sword where you're like well i would have just died <laughs> yeah that would have been the end that would have been the end of the and fight that's humbling yeah it is yeah. and and that's what's so crazy about jujitsu is that you know we're playing this game but sometimes it just hits me like but if you didn't let go i would have died <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what i mean that's what would have happened <laughs> yeah you know and it's like that to me that's like such a cool thing to just know like you know i never have any intention of ever getting in a street fight for any reason but it's nice to have in the back pocket oh, of just sure. like okay cool i could defend my boundaries to the utmost and i always i always give this thing right so on a scale of human interaction one we've made eye contact 10 we're fighting each other to the death i spend a lot of time at like six to eight so it's like one through five is easy as fuck you know like yeah. And I, it's funny. And, and what's weird too, dude, is, is I feel like the more I train, the more empathy I have for people. Like, so I had this, this really funny day where I had to get my cell phone fixed and I had rolled for an hour. Um, I did some Muay Thai and then I sparred for an hour. 
And I left and it was one of those days, no aches, no pains. I felt loose. I was just like, fuck, I wish I felt like this all the time. So my phone's getting fixed. So I popped to this bar next door to get a burger. And there's like a big TV and a guy sitting in front of the TV. And I'm looking at the TV, watching this baseball game. And the guy goes, you got a fucking staring problem? I was like, well, that is an aggressive, hey man, do we know each other? You know, I was like, fuck dude, you went right to a four. And um, I like look at him and he's very out of shape. And he just had this look on his face of, it was just like, you were just not a happy man. Yeah. And I was thinking like in my head, like, bro, I'm loose right now. <laughs> like you would literally just be round seven today. <laughs> and then I like broke it down. And I was just like, this voice just came in of like, yeah, man, it's not you. It's his wife or it's yeah, his yeah. kids or is this. And I just was like, no, man, I was looking at the TV behind you. And he's like, yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know and it's like let that man think that he punked the, the tattooed kid at the bar yeah totally. you know just like bro i could have killed you with my hands but i'm just gonna spin around and not watch the baseball game i guess uh -huh. um and it it you me personally i've had so many like just huge ego breakthroughs in the gym that i think that empathy comes from being like oh yeah no dude i'm professionally get my soul crushed all of the time i seek <laughs> right, it out right and you're just like, oh, you just never had your soul crushed. So you just. And probably some aspect of him is is craving that. Like some part of his, you know, his guiding light is like, man, you really need to get your soul crushed here. Like yeah. You need, a, you need a humbling moment. But it wouldn't really work because it's not consistent enough and it's not voluntary mm -hmm. enough. But he's craving so some, some, some boundary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's craving some boundary to his to his experience some place where he can bump up against and be like okay this is reality again because it's just story after story weaving these fictions in his mind about who he is and what people are doing to him and how the world is against him and all of these fictions and just wanting to slam into some wall i've seen it with a lot of the fighters that i've hung out with like killers and i'll watch people out of the blue like like come at them and i'm like could you imagine like what all right, what are you, and not even knowing who they are, not being like, hey, so and so, but just like randomly picking a fight. I saw it with Luke Rockhold. I saw it with Cowboy. I've seen it with like, and I'm like, how the fuck, man? I'm like, really, guys? Like, do you not know? And they're always, they always just kind of smile and just kind of like, man. Well, so the thing that's so wild about that is, um, so I went to a gym called Jimmo in North Carolina. And I was invited to come train there. He's like, yeah, we start at nine. And they just go. It's like nine to 10, jujitsu, 10 to 11, wrestling, 11 to 12, Muay Thai. Uh, 12, you know, it's just this whole day. And I was just like, well, no one else is leaving. So I guess I'll stay. And I sparred a guy that at the time was fighting for LFA. And he threw a leg kick sparring. And I could tell that he didn't throw it with ill intent. And I was just like, whoa that fucking sucked <laughs> you know <laughs> and it's like these people just have no idea where it's like there again it's that the lack of contextualization of uh of violence where it's like dude if you're an above average person and cowboy kicks you in the head that is a yeah. fucking problem <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like if luke rockhold hits you with any part of Does his body anything that, that could change the trajectory <laughs> of your life forever yeah totally and it's and it's so scary and again alcohol always plays a big part in that but it's like not enough people have that i always use this you're a basketball player so yeah. you'll appreciate this example so there's a guy that i think of shout out tony mike um he's an rv salesman 
He dresses like the most uh, suburban dad you'd ever see, not an immaculate build. He's a savage brown belt, great striker, dangerous human. Doesn't have cauliflower ear, doesn't have a crooked nose. There's like no indicating factors that this man is dangerous. And there's a lot of people walking around. If we use bat, we'll remove fighting with basketball. So I'll play the dickhead. I've never played basketball. No, I played basketball once when I was in college and we were drunk. <laughs> and I think I did okay. So I'm pretty sure, dude, anyone that I meet, I could beat in one-on-one in basketball. <laughs> yeah, totally. How fucking stupid does <laughs> totally. that sound? Totally. Where it's like, even if you run into an RV salesman that's played <laughs> basketball four times a week for the last 11 years, he's going to fucking school you. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like if you replace fight, I don't know what it is about fighting that makes people just go like, I don't know, bro. I just fucking see red, dude. And I'm just good at it. And like, <laughs> I don't know, dude. I just, if I'm pissed, dude, I can fucking play hockey. You know what I mean? Like if you replace it with any other sport, it sounds so fucking dumb. It's like, no, dude, I just get super mad and I can just sink threes. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> you know, like it's wild. But it's like, it's so weird that it's not contextualized that way. I'm just yeah. like, well, it's also this, this distance from human instinct, Yeah, you know, like not being able to read that, like the people who've tried to start fights with me are the, it's the most ridiculous person ever. Yeah. Like five, five, 140, you know, and they're like in my face, like I will, and I'm like, what? are you talking about do you not have any instincts here yeah. like like, wh <laughs> yeah. like what is the thing but like other people who fought a little bit you know there's this kind of like thing like when you have your instincts in tow like when you've actually done it and you've actually gotten your ass kicked and kicked a few asses and like in the in obviously on the mats and sometimes even street fights if people are doing that a lot i'm sure you get some experience that way but there's just like a sense there's an animal sense there's an animal sense of like yeah, I'm not sure about this, but it would not be fun for either of us. So yeah. good well, for you. Like, hey, man, like have a good time. What's crazy, too, is that it's like, dude, especially in a street fight, the amount of variables, it's so dangerous. Yeah. It's like, you know, I had a lot of friends getting a lot of trouble growing up for pretty, like, deservable things. We had a, a friend that we grew up with was getting into it with a guy in a bar. It trickles outside. And the dude spit on him. He punched the guy. The dude fell down, hit his head. And he got a very serious charge. You know, did time in prison for it. And it's like, I shouldn't have gone that way. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Typically, a guy spits in your face. You hit him. And he's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. But like, it can it can go sideways so quick. You got in a street fight one time, right? Yeah, man. That was I want to hear this story because I I've, you can give me, yeah. you can give me a short or long version you the, as you want. I'll tell you the quick version. So coming out of a club right downtown on uh, on lavaca street the club was called uh pangea at the time and uh rolling out and i was with all the homies like a couple pro fighters like roger huerta was my homie and like another guy nick gonzalez who's fought in strike force like another big guy heavyweight brian jimerson never fought professionally but like a bunch of fighters and a bunch of good street fighters and like that's that was kind of my crew then it was like roger's crew and i was training heavily then and i was actually training to have my first amateur fight i was like i wanted to do it partly because roger was my homie and it was just what we were doing all the time we had a little gym called el garage which was in my house and it was just this mats through every part of it and just a garage yeah but we would roll with the with the you know uh the slide down the garage door down and it would get so steamy in there sweat would go to the ceiling and then drop down it was yeah. disgusting yeah like, real gross when that happens <laughs> like yeah. disgusting but el garage we got some work in so anyways 
I had my I had a Dodge Challenger at the time, and it was parked outside of the outside of the club with the valet. And everybody went to a separate little parking lot that was near. And I was like, "All right, I'll see y'all back at the house. It was going to be after party at my house in East Second Street. You just threw a lot of after parties there. So like, go to the car, and it was surrounded by four guys, and it was like four pretty big guys just like hanging out on your car hanging out around my car and this was early i had a challenger early so it was still like a really cool car like now challengers are everywhere but then it was like it was like cool yeah and this one dude is like leaning up against my car and he's eating a pizza and he's throwing the toppings of the pizza on top of my car and i'm with my fiance and we're i'm just going to drive her home you know so i took it pretty easy i wasn't drinking that much um and so I was like, all right, it's a close drive. I feel good. I feel sober enough. You know, I'm going to just drive home real quick and I'll meet everybody back at the house. Anyways, so she goes and sees him and sees him like throwing the pizza on top of my car. And, <clears throat> and she says like, hey, like this is our, you know, this is our car. What are you doing? And I, I was like, kind of like, she just kind of it just kind of blurted out and her name her name's caitlin so caitlin was like what are you doing and he looks at her and he goes i'll put my meat wherever i want bitch and i was like holy shit this got real fucking this got real quick and then she like goes up in him and like gets in his face and i'm watching this and it's happening so fucking fast i'm like holy shit and there's like three other dudes he goes and then uh, gets up in his face and he's like, don't disrespect me and my boyfriend. And, and he takes her and he slams her head into the side of the car. And like that moment, I don't even know. She was on the other side of the car. I don't even know how I got from one side to the other, but it was like the, the most like blind superhero rage of all. So I fly around the car and I hit that dude with everything I had. All I saw was the side of his jaw. And I just hit him with everything. And it, I hit him so clean in the jaw that I had no, like my knuckle didn't hurt Smooth, at baby. all from that. It was just butter. <laughs> like it just, his jaw moved with my fist and he was out. But then we had three people. The fight was on. So Caitlin, which I wouldn't have advised, but it really probably saved us. She jumped on the back of one of them being like feisty and like having him back. And, and the guy was actually sensible enough, that other guy, that he didn't like slam her and like he was just kind of like dealing with her and then i was fighting two guys at the same time and it was like a weird thing and i think because i got hit i got clipped in the side of the head by one of them and also the adrenaline i don't have a lot of memories but i remember a few things one thing was one of the guys threw like a round kick and i was like that was some weak ass shit and i wasn't even thinking about <laughs> kicking so i kicked him back and i fucking lit in him just felt it hit the squishy parts of his like yep. of his of his body and then we were fighting and then there's this another guy and then i did get clipped and so a lot of it i don't remember just i remember the fight and the scuffle and i remember i was standing in the street and i was like and that's when i my consciousness kind of came to and caitlin was there and i was like where do they go where the fuck did they go I, I didn't remember like what happened i never went down and we were just trading and the valley's like they ran they ran that way and i was like holy shit that got real in like a second like it got real in a second and caitlin's face was a little bloody my face was a little bloody i got like hit in the temple so i got concussed a little bit um and then ended up you know gathering myself going home and then 
I was so mad that like my boys weren't there because I wanted all everybody who did that. I wanted them all to be dead. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, I, want, for sure, for I sure. wanted them to be laid out yeah. in a neat row, and for me to look at them—not actually dead, but like yeah, laid no, out in a you. row, being like, "Don't you ever do that <laughs> to me or anyone ever again." And I get back like, "What the fuck happened? We just left you." And I was like, "Wow, good why time for you, you to there? leave me." Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Fuck. And I was like, "Damn!" And I was so mad. I was actually mad at myself and. This actually came up in ceremony a while ago. Is that I had a, I was doing a, it was actually a DMT ceremony, and I felt some real pressure on that place where I got hit. And my wife's, you know, my wife now, Violana, she's a medicine woman, and I had her, um, I was like, I can you touch this area here? I feel like a lot of tension. It was the place where I got clipped in the side of the head, which probably made me lose my memory, and I'm sure kind of disoriented my fighting ability and. And uh, she goes in it and I started crying. And as she was working on it and I was crying and what I realized is I was still holding judgment against myself because I didn't act like a superhero, like Jean-Claude Van Damme. You slept the dude that threw your girl I did sleep that guy. And so it was unrealistic, but my I wanted so bad. And I had this idea from watching all these movies that I should have laid them all out yeah you know like they should have not just been that guy which been they the helped 35 up second fight scene <laughs> yeah, from a exactly, van damme movie exactly. where you're like <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i i was literally holding judgment that i wasn't enough of a man that i didn't train hard enough that i didn't have the skills to actually show up in that way which is crazy because i did i did actually you know we've we were okay we finished a fight standing and the person who threw you know my fiance into the side of the car like he got slept so yep. like all in all it was a pretty good pretty good showing we I made it, it out w. All, yeah, yeah it was a w <laughs> yeah. but my own self-judge was so strong that i i didn't forgive myself until that moment where i was like wow man you can really let that go like you did your best and it, it actually turned out all right and like you said it was a w yeah but an interesting like interesting crazy thing and ended up not taking partly because i got mildly concussed didn't end up taking the fight that i was going to take the amateur fight and i felt like it got me out of my system like i needed to prove to myself that if some shit went down i could handle myself and uh and i did that even though i judged myself for not being you know well what's alone. interesting dude is that it's like training becomes fun it just becomes a part of our life and what we're doing and like i said sometimes we forget what we're doing like oh we're in here fucking simulating murder on each other yeah and I just always think of like, I'm the dude that like watching like a psychological thriller when like the dude's wife's getting fucked with or something. I'll be like, babe, I can't. I got, <laughs> I got to fucking go, man. Just let me know when this scene's over and I'll be back. I get uncomfortable and shit like that. Yeah. Too. Like I, I can't, sometimes I can't, I have to leave. Yeah. Cause I'm just like, dude, if somebody was hurting you, I know I would fucking eat them. Do you, you know? have any situation where your wife tells you stories about things that happened in her past? Like where people did yeah, fucked up things one. in their past? that thing it the fucked up thing is like i can't separate someone hurting my partner in the past from the present like i'll still let's open facebook let's find this motherfucker i'll still get hot (laughs) you know like i'll still get hot even though it's not about what i'm going to do it still feels like it's present because i love my wife not only as she is now but i love her for the entirety of her life even though i didn't even know her so if someone was picking on her when she was 16 or someone was treating her shitty when she was 24 whatever i'm still like i still get like that protective energy of like that fire like i will fucking destroy you (laughs) you know that still comes up well bro so when we were talking about the nipsey rom balance yeah okay so i had jp sears on my podcast Mm -hmm. phenomenally sweet human being has some controversial comedy 
and dude, people were like, some of our fans were full on like cancel Satsung. He is, uh, you know, dude, it got out of hand and super, super fast. And I'd never dealt with that before. So I was internalizing a lot of it. And, you know, it probably didn't help that I was like the following day was like, I just shouldn't have been reading all of it is step one. I shouldn't mm -hmm. have been reading all of these comments. But some of the most just like beta looking dudes ever were just like, fuck that guy. He's an asshole. I never forget a face. And he's like, <laughs> fuck that guy. I've met him. He's an asshole, yada, yada. And I'm like looking at their Facebook profiles. I'm like, motherfucker, I've never met you before. <laughs> but we could meet. And then I'm like at the gym lifting, like listening to 50 Cent. And I'm like texting my manager like, I think I'm going to find this motherfucker. I, like. He, he lives in Minneapolis. Carl lives in Minneapolis. Carl said he knows where he works. I think I got to roll through, you know, and just be like, Drew's a bitch. I've met Drew before. That you, motherfucker? You know? And I just was like struggling with this whole thing. And it took like three, four days to me to come down from this thing of like, who gives a fuck what these people are saying about <laughs> yeah, me? I don't probably. know these people. But I think you and I are similar in that regard where we can be like running through things and like, it brings up these emotions and I'm like, no, man, I'm riding this motherfucker. It's like, no, I'll get off when I'm good and ready. And it's so crazy, man. And uh, it, it was such a, when I was going through it, dude, I was like, I'm fucking deleting social media. And then I'm like, well, I can't, my business thrives on it. Like, fuck, what am I going to do? You know? Yeah. A, it was setting healthy boundaries, but B, it was realizing like that I just can't invest stock in people that don't know. Now, you and I, as we're getting closer here, if someone's like, Aubrey was like, I met Drew. He's a dickhead. I'd be like, well, fuck, man. I thought yeah, we were yeah, cool, yeah, you know? Totally. But it's that, like- That actually would- That actually would- That would break my heart. Be a reasonable yeah. thing to be bummed about. Yeah, yeah, but realizing like these people that it's like, and, and I'm good at, um, I think it's because I'm such a Jordan Peterson fan. I can trace pathology pretty well. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you were in a band that started about the same time as mine and you deliver pizzas now. So that's probably very frustrating. So mm -hmm. you look at me and you probably are like, my band's fucking way better than his band and his band's killing it and mine isn't. Fuck that guy. And then this JP thing came up and you didn't even listen to the podcast, but you're like, oh, are we canceling this motherfucker? Okay, cool. I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. You know, but it's so hard not to get caught up in that shit in the moment and and, and write it all the way out where it's mm -hmm. like, I want to feel all the emotions, but some emotions are better left alone. And like you're saying, now you know, you know, you, I, at the back of your mind, you're always wondering like, well, what would happen? It's like, well, you fucking train all the time. So if you fought someone, you're probably going to do right. good. Right. So it's like my, my professor, Will, when I was talking to him about it, he's like, yeah, man, that would prove a lot if a purple belt in jujitsu that's been doing Muay Thai for four years went and beat up some dude that delivers pizza for talking <laughs> shit on the internet. You know, that would be so shocking. And like, you'd really drive your point home. You know, it's yeah. like the knowing has to be here, not here. 100%. And that's the more, the more you trust yourself, the less pointy parts of you that you have out, the less you're likely to stick someone with a little overaggression. Because all of that aggression and anger a lot of it comes from because like when the fighters have been people have come at them they shrug it off typically more than anybody now there is a point where you poke the dragon enough and you get the fire like you poke the bear enough and you're gonna get you're gonna get pummeled you know and, and back in the old days with roger like there was actually a, a video of that it was a different situation but some dude punched you know this big guy punched a girl in the back of the head and it was all on cameras on like uh, tmz and everything 
Oh, I remember that. And Roger like steps out. It was Slept outside those two of the dudes. same yep. bar. Outside of the oh, same no bar. Shit. Yeah. Don't go to Pangea, <laughs> yeah, dude. I know, I know. Knock it off. It's crazy. <laughs> and and he just t- and he goes, You can't do that, man. And he's you know, height difference of like eight inches. I remember and, that video. And so there's these moments where some where they'll just be like, Now you get now you get the consequences. Yeah, takes off his shirt and then scramble, scramble, scramble. All of a sudden, there's this dude just you know in getting mounted and pummeled. And I couldn't. Ima- well, it, so you've done jujitsu with someone that's really, really good at yeah, jujitsu, yeah. and you're just like, what the fuck is happening? You yeah. know, like I remember when I first started training of just being like, I'm never gonna be this good. There's no way. And like I think of a situation in a street fight where somebody didn't know jujitsu or even just know how good some people can throw a punch like you look at a guy like justin gaethje it's mm-hmm. not a fucking guy you'd be like i'll bet you he's a badass yeah but it's like if that dude hits you he's probably breaking something really regardless of how big you are yes yeah no you know? problem no <laughs> like, problem it's gonna yeah, suck yeah. and yeah man and it's so crazy you know tim kennedy one of my favorite lines of his he says never start a fight with someone that loves to be in a fight yeah so it's like you might get cowboy to shrug you off three times <laughs> But once he's on, I have a feeling that he don't turn off. Yeah, exactly. you know, and it's like I, that's that's the truth. It might sound good when you're good and tipsy and like, <laughs> no, nah, man, I'm gonna. Today's the day I test myself, and it's like, fuck, dude, wrong number. Yeah. you know, and it's like, yeah, people just don't know until they know, and and you know, hopefully, I'd like to think uh that the two fellas that he beat outside that bar are like, all right, we gotta chill the fuck out, you know, like, uh, yeah, you yeah, know? that's that boundary. That's where they like realize oh shit like i can't i can't do this anymore and there's people out there that are holding that that was like i think the problem with all the litigation and everything and i know it's important to keep people who are aggressive and people who are going to just like those there's this thing where people just run up and punch people like yeah remember go to fucking jail yeah go to jail get sued lose all your money and spend some time in prison like that's fucked up but like the the i think there's um I forget what it's called, but there's like some rules about when you just both agree to a street fight and in some places. Mutual combat. Mutual combat. Washington. Yeah. Like there's some places where that's like, that's legal and accepted. And I think that's important. I think it's important to know that there are bounds and that like, if you step across these bounds, you don't have to wait for authorities to come meet out, like telling your teacher, like, okay, this is a problem here. Can you sit us both down and talk about this? And it's like, no, all right, we can just, we'll sort this out you know like there, we'll step outside and sort this out you agree i agree let's here dude, we go there's and then a the hilarious cops are like, great you guys sorted it out thanks for that yep. both of you go home yep dude there's a hilarious youtube video that happened in spokane washington on halloween so one guy is in a superhero costume one guy's in a banana costume <laughs> and they're like talking shit to each other it's getting heated and a cop walks th- across the street and this guy's like mutual combat you want to fight mutual combat and the guy's like fuck yeah man mutual combat and the cop's like okay so thus begins (laughs) thus begins the fight between the superhero and the banana the banana had some training and and put this motherfucker down and then it's just like you know maybe the dude will pick a different costume next year besides the superhero and be like yeah maybe i'll go with banana next year you just think you can pick on that banana he's got everything hidden though yeah you know like all he did it's hard to know yeah when you're looking at a banana and you're a little blitzed yep and he found out dude don't fuck with fruit he's like he's like i'm a plantain motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) but it was so cool to see this cop like he's like starting to get in the mix and then he's like well all right (laughs) you know these guys want to fight i guess they'll get a fight um yeah i think that's important too because we always say like when 
we have a bar right next to the gym in Red Lodge. And every time I go out the back door, there's like this back patio where people smoke. And dude, like three out of four times, people are like, I told that motherfucker, you know, like telling some like bullshit <laughs> fight stories. And I always just want to pop over the fence and just be like, if you guys are ever curious, we, <laughs> we do that here. Yeah. Um, they would never come. But uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's important to, um, to know boundaries. And I just couldn't imagine the carelessness of going through the world, wanting to bump into things and everyone. I try to walk pretty quietly yeah sure you know I, you lose that you lose that desire to prove anything and it's uh and also just it's good to know your instincts you know like tim kennedy teaches sheepdog training and mm -hmm. that's just for the awareness in these situations but a, a big basic step to prevent maybe not the extreme violent acts that he's talking about preventing which are important to be aware of in the situational awareness for that but just basic awareness is just the human instinct of okay who is the person here that is really dangerous and like beyond what you might think like sense that out you'd be able to read an environment i can recall certain other times sometimes like whatever intoxicants i'm on will put me in a state where i really want to tap into that it's like i'm yeah like i'm smelling around like weed does that to me man yeah it's like a weird combination i don't know exactly what it is you know i dabble with different ways to modulate my consciousness but like <laughs> yeah. i just remember one time it was at a at a bar and i was really feeling it and i was i was i was picked up my training a lot then too and i think that kind of brings it up i was working with uh tony jeffries out of la he's a phenomenal boxing coach and love working with him and i picked it up and i was just kind of looking around and i was like i really think i got all these motherfuckers in here and then i see this one dude and i was like except that dude <laughs> yeah. and i don't know why but i'm confident that he's got he's got me and i was like i'm gonna talk to him and I go up to him. I was like, "Hey, man, uh, what's up?" And he's like, "Hey, man, what what's going on?" It's like, "Ah, nothing, man. I was just seeing like, do you do any like fight training or anything?" And he looks at me and he doesn't have the ears or anything. He's like, "Yeah, like yeah, man. No, I I do." I was like, "You got like a you're like amateur pro?" He's like, "Yeah, you know, I'm pro. I got a I got a, this record or whatever." And I was like, "Aha." I was like, thank you. You want a drink? I was like, cool, I'll get you a drink. I just wanted to Can prove I buy my you a drink for confirming that I have <laughs> yeah. spider senses? Yeah, you know? Exactly. That was it. And I, I was on, I was honest. He's like, why'd you come up? I was like, I don't know, man. I was just looking around and I was like thinking about if there's anybody here in this bar who could kick my ass. And I saw you and I thought you could be the guy that would do that. <laughs> turns out I was, <laughs> I was like, turns out I was right. And he's like, that's very interesting. Yeah. And I was so nice about it. You yeah. know? He was like, cool man i was like all right cool well see you later yeah i'm always in that state and it's something my wife and i talk about a lot it's a ptsd thing but also i just um you know the environment i grew up in shit always popped off fights always happened my brother was usually always involved or a fight might pop off because my brother wasn't involved in a fight over here and now i'm over here and they're like that's that motherfucker's brother <laughs> you know and so there was that it, it it benefited me to be in that state all of the time but my wife and i talk of like she's like that could be taking years off your life and i'm like i don't know but i ain't turning that one off yeah. you know like when we're out and about i'm always doing that of like okay here's our exits mm -hmm. that guy probably has a gun that guy just looks tough as shit <laughs> so i'm in third place you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like you know where it suss out the situation yeah, yeah for sure well man i love having these conversations they're super fun for me because uh it's just this is a part of who we are like the human being when we peel it off you know we're sexual savage 
wild animals that also have the ability for beautiful compassionate consciousness and like the deepest connection to soul and spirituality if you're thinking about i can only imagine a world full of different alien life forms a whole universe of different options human being is a hell of a ride because we got access to everything we got access to some deep primal stuff down there and the sensual pleasures through the fucking roof the food and the consciousness modulators and the and then also the ability to go straight to god and straight to like these other dimensional realities and with different psychedelic medicine and practices and man human being is a is a dope ride to be on like this is special yeah real special glad we get to be humans together dude yeah man glad to know you're 100 we're on the ride at the same time 100 <laughs> percent. yeah let's go let's yeah. go well let's bring this home with uh with a little more music man oh all right i don't know what i'm gonna play uh, yeah this will be this nice juxtaposition of uh 45 minutes of shit talking about fights and then <laughs> yeah, back to some conscious this is this is the human this is the human experience um uh i wrote a love song about montana that will be on the next record cool i'll play that Under the mountains where summer sees snow The wind carries memories to where I don't know On a rock in a river where time it gets slow These are the places I'm from that I go these are the places I'm from that I go now, I've been to everywhere half of my life Tell me your town, I played there a night It's a true tale, a story, though glory it lacks I've been there before and have plans to go back In the places we talk through, though mostly by phone I go, I don't go it alone. I know when I go, I don't go it alone. To the land of the mountains where summer sees snow. The wind carries memories to where I don't know. On a rock in a river where time it gets slow These are the places I'm from that I go These are the places I'm from that I go
the same Though often they say There's places we love And the ones that we stay The aura we plotter Inside of my bones And if it's last best Then it's best left alone To the woman who knows me And holds me post-war See me stand on a mountain And cry on a floor To the things that we have and we have yet to hold These are the places I'm from that I go These are the places I'm from that I go These are the places I'm from that I go I, lo I love that song because I really like country music, actually. Oh, you love the new record then, man. And and I love that that had that kind of country. It has this kind of interesting, soulful country spiritual vibe that's like, it just, it's really good for my nervous system in, in a way, you know? I'll it's send like, you a link so you can hear the new record. Hell yeah, man. Because that I, has like fiddle and it's Hell yeah, yeah I love that, dude. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's funny to me that people, you know, people will talk shit about country music and in some ways i understand some of their criticisms but like get just get into the vibe like get into the simplicity and the, there's oftentimes an appreciation and even if it's grief or even if it's something it's behind all, every grief is love like the love yeah. for the girl or the love for the thing that they used to pass even if it's the love for the glory like there's love behind the grief but oftentimes it's just appreciation for the simplicity of things and that's beautiful it like puts me in a in a nice state yeah you know? and that's what that song did i was like man good it feels good good yeah yeah man i'm i'm really pumped on all the new stuff I, it's the most honest body of work that i think i've ever made um yeah. just another time stamp you know it's where i'm at right now and i feel really really good about it and i feel more more myself than i've ever been mm -hmm. feel more secure more safe more just certain I just am who I am right now, and it feels really, really good. And I've mm -hmm. never really had that. I'm not looking super far forward. I'm just fucking here for it, man. It feels really Let's good. Go. Okay, okay. Uh, beautiful, brother. What's do you have any tour dates? I don't know when this podcast is going to release, but anything kind of coming up in the future? Obviously, where to find your albums and and all that. Yeah, so we're on podcast. Spotify or any of the shit uh, anywhere you get music. Um, you can check out the Sad Song Sad Song podcast. Uh, s-a-t-s-a-n-g um always have an inter my i just had ct fletcher on so that one's about to drop <laughs> that was a trip uh -huh. um and then yeah the new record comes out june 4th june 4th um so yeah just spotify apple music google play wherever you get your music uh check it out save it listen to it share cool. it with your friends cool can't wait to see the show tonight brother yeah man yeah happy it's a to lot have of fun you. man yeah thank you everybody peace Thanks for tuning into the podcast with Satsang. I hope you guys loved it. Make sure to follow him on Spotify. Check out all of his new music. It's incredible. See you next week.